So just listen and note how each one makes you feel. So if you're keeping track, yes, those are all default songs from GarageBand. But still, notice how music makes us feel, and why? And are those sounds speaking to the body, or are they speaking even more deeply to the spirit? We're going to take a look at that tonight. Stay tuned. Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of Swedenborg and Life. Mondays are a lot of fun because of you guys, so thanks for, for joining in. And if you're watching this after it's taped, it's fun because of you too. So today we're going to take a look at some wonderful things. My name is Curtis Childs, I'm with the Swedenborg Foundation and I'll be hosting this. And uh, if you guys want to be a part of it beyond just consuming, you can participate, leave your questions and comments, get them in there on whatever social media platform you're on, and at the end of it, we're going to hear what you have to say. So that's going to be fun. So music, everybody likes music. Uh, everybody's touched by it. And I, I say everybody because pretty much everybody, maybe one or two people, but it's a really powerful thing, and it really gets to people. So there's got to be something there. There's got to be so. If we're going to go on this show, talk about the sort of spiritual, existential reasons behind everything, something as big as music has got to factor in there somewhere. So we're going to take a look tonight at what Swedenborg said and what it all means. So let's begin by taking a look at the essence or the first points, the construct of music itself. So we're going to take a tour of what Swedenborg has said, of what other people uh, who have had similar kind of spiritual out-of-body experiences have said about music, what it means, uh, why it means that, and, and how we can use it. So hopefully we'll learn some good things, and I feel like you got to start at the beginning. So let's define our subject. Let's talk about what music is. And of course, you guys know what music is. You could identify it instantly. However, we're talking about what music is in an underlying, I guess what you would call spiritual sense. So we're going to start with Indian music. Uh, there is a thing in Indian music called a rag, and this is what we got a quote about it from. Uh, this is a web page that has all kinds of information about this sort of thing, and they're describing it here. The rag is the most important concept that any student of Indian music should understand. The Hindi-Urdu word rag is derived from the Sanskrit raga, which means color or passion. Therefore, rag may be thought of as an acoustic method of coloring the mind of the listener with an emotion. So, music is like paint, like emotional paint. So there's an instant connection between music and feeling, like we had in the beginning. And of course, Swedenborg had a similar thing to say about it. So let's pull up his, and this is from his book, Married Love 55. Songs in heaven are nothing but affections in audible form. So there's our Webster's definition. That is, affections expressed in modulated sounds. 
For just as thoughts are expressed by speaking, so are affections by singing. Angels can grasp the subject of the affection by the regularity and fluency of the modulation. So just like you can think something and then say it, you can feel something and then sing it. So his definition is, this is a tangible audio rendering of these processes that go on inside us, these emotions. And he expands on it here in Revelation Unveiled 279. A song also symbolizes a glorification, which is a joyful confession of the heart, because a song uplifts, causing the heart's affection to break out into sound and display itself powerfully in its life. Again, this is just about music being the expression of, of emotion. So this is a physical version of the thing that you feel. And yeah, I mean, we, m- music is always linked to emotions. It's I, this music will make me feel an emotion, or when I'm feeling an emotion, I use this music to help uh, moderate that emotion or try to change it or to try to make it more extreme or intense. So music and emotion is linked. And Swedenborg is saying unequivocally that's because music is emotion. Music is emotion brought out into sound. So we have there our definition uh, of music. More could be said, but that's good enough for rock and roll, as they say. Now let's take a look at music as a teaching tool, because this is something that, again, comes up in multiple accounts from people who have had some kind of spiritual experience. So why are we talking about people who have had spiritual experiences? Well, it's because in there they supposedly have seen the underlying essence of things. We could have a bunch of other discussions about music uh, and go come to a lot of different conclusions. Coming at it from this angle, we're getting reports from people who say, this is what's underneath it all. So, This is something from The Message, and this is a modern near-death experience account by Lance Richardson. He had this book, The Message, and this is from when he was, if you've read any of these near-death experience books, they have a section always where they're in the near-death experience. So he's in this other world that he went to, and we're we're dropping in in the middle of this when he's in this room with these people at all these keyboard things. A young woman told him, We're using music to learn important eternal truths. Music is a most powerful conductor of the spirit. We use music to help us in our learning process. I'm sure you've experienced it. Haven't you listened to selections of music and have been moved to tears? Quite often when you are moved to tears, it is because the spirit is intensely present. I cannot remember what took place, but I was left with a most certain validation that music is a great tool of God. Great truths may be learned by uplifting music as a conductor of the spirit. I have always enjoyed music, but I gained a much deeper respect for its eternal purpose. So that's Lance, the author, saying that. I didn't make that very clear in how I read it, but that's Lance's account. So, and that's interesting because you can think of music as a recreational tool or an emotional moderation tool, but to think of it as a teaching tool that you can learn things through music, you don't always come across that. And believe it or not, you probably can believe it because we always do this. It's that same sentiment is echoed in Swedenborg. We're going to pull up Apocalypse Explained 855. But all who are in the spiritual kingdom speak from thought, which belongs to the understanding or soul. And when such speech flows down out of heaven toward the regions below, it is heard either as a voice or as a harmonious music or is seen before the eyes like the brightness of a cloud or like the flash of lightning before thunder. So the speech of angels, we're talking about, this is Swedenborg saying, I visited the spiritual world, this is how it's organized. And a quick primer, you got heaven up here in different levels of heaven, and then you got the world of spirits or the place we would all go after death below. And it all has to do with states of mind, and we've talked about this in other shows, so we don't have time here. But he says, 
when people who are in a higher level of understanding are mo- more open, uh, when they talk, it can be rendered in a bunch of different ways. It can be heard as a voice, a few visual things, but then also music. So music can actually be uh, a representation or a rendering, as I said, of these sort of higher thoughts. So it can actually be, it's not just a more arty way to communicate something, it can actually be the primary communication of higher truths. So I think that that's cool, and so that's, those are just a couple passages about that music can maybe even be used in ways we don't generally think of it here, and that spiritually it might even be more effective when you get into those sort of realms that these people are describing. So we talked about what music is, we talked about it as a teaching tool, and I'd like to hear, you know, you want to hear phenomena processed through people. As in, if you wanted to know a lot about wood, you would go to somebody who's worked with wood, who knows what it's like to manipulate and make into things, knows all the nuances of it. So with music, we'd want to talk to a musician. And so we had uh, a musician who was nice enough to come in, who's, who's been working around music for a long time, and has known some of the ins and outs of what it's like to play it, what it's like to experience it and to write it, be affected by it. So this guy that we're talking to today is a very cool guy. I befriended him recently. His name is Bruno Mertz, and he's in the UK right now, uh, originally from New Zealand. And he got in touch, we got in touch because he had uh, found Swedenborg. So this is doubly interesting to me because he's been around music and he started to read Swedenborg. So I always like to hear people who have just found Swedenborg, what's their perception of it? How does it affect them? Because uh, if we're putting out this show, I want to know how does this thought affect people? So we're going to get to two of those. First of all, I asked Bruno about um, how just spirituality in general, how does that affect you uh, and, and how does that connect to your music? So here's what he had to say. I would say that it's probably been the biggest, the biggest sort of influence on my my life, spirituality, with and especially in music because music is such a spiritual thing. If I'm having a, a bad day or a, or a, like feeling feeling awful or whatever, I guess playing a song or or writing a song is a way to to connect somehow to something else or get get some kind of input from from somewhere else and, and it's hard to put that into words sometimes what, what that what that is. But it's a way it can be really healing and it can be really um, a lot of the songs written have been literally to 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 sort of soothe myself I guess when I'm feeling feeling I'm having a bad time. And um, and that, that can only really be a spiritual thing. Like it's not it's it's not connected to this physical physical world in any way. It feels it feels like it comes from somewhere else. And it's not it's not me either. It feels like something else is sort of um, you're connecting somehow to something else, and you lose yourself in it, which is a nice place to be. So have you guys ever heard of that? There's a movie called Life as We Know It with Katherine Heigl in it. Anyway, that guy. Bruno had a song on the soundtrack of that. So he said some really cool stuff. I would invite you to check out his music uh, because I really like that he covers a broad range of topics. Some artists will only sing about romantic relationships or something, but he he gets into sort of the, some of these universal kind of themes. I really like it. It's cool. And also, he's one of the few musicians who's ever heard of Swedenborg. So the, my next question to him was, uh, what was it, how did you come across Swedenborg and what has that been like? And so we were talking, as you could see, over Google Hangout and the 
the feed was a little choppy at times, as it can be. Um, so it accidentally cut out a really crucial line by him that kind of sets everything else up. So he, he says he has an out-of-body experience, uh, and it sort of cut that out, so we put that as a little subtitle there. But anyway, everything will make sense with that. So here's the story of, of him finding Swedenborg. Um, I came across Swedenborg um, when I was... I actually ac- accidentally had a body experience once, and I was, I was just um, sort of... Um, meditating and all of a sudden I opened my eyes what I thought were my my physical eyes <laughs> and I was I was sort of this far away from the ceiling and it was a very scary time because I, I had no idea what what was happening I didn't know I mean obviously some people will say this is a trick that your brain played on you or something but I think if you've experienced it you it's so real and so vivid and so and and the feeling of waking up like trying to get back into my body or whatever you have you want to explain it was such a uncomfortable and sort of scary experience especially when you don't know what's happening it's it's not it, it doesn't feel like a brain trick anyway when that happened i it, i was quite shaken up and and sort of started looking up things online like um what that could be and I came across out-of-body experiences and near-death experiences, and I started reading a lot of these near-death experiences. And I'd heard about them before, and um, a lot of them were quite um, wacky to me. And, and I, I had an immediate sort of response, like this is for crazy people by crazy people. <laughs> and but the more I started reading them, the more I thought there, there are thousands of these experiences, and they're all quite similar, and they're from all walks of life, from all religions, or like atheists even like just just complete it doesn't matter who it was these people were having these near-death experiences and there's some some um people in the medical world that have sort of collected these experiences anyway um there was one um interview i was was listening to of raymond moody who was who's a i think you've done a talk about him too recently and he started collecting a lot of stories and he's been a real sort of pioneer in the whole world of near-death experiences. Anyway, he mentioned in this interview, um, we were comparing these experiences to the works of Emmanuel Swedenborg. And I thought, who on earth is this person that they're comparing these works to? Like, who, who is this? Per- I'd never heard his name before or anything. So then I started looking into him and I was completely gone away. And um, I read a few of his books and really got into it and it really changed my whole life like it changed my whole outlook on 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 the way i live my life my fiance started calling me new brains because i changed so much <laughs> um yeah so that was my discovery of swedenborg yeah i'm always interested to hear how does swedenborg impact people and it sounds like for him it had a big one but i wanted to press a little more and see where how did that impact show up like what concepts what was really making a difference so in our last segment with bruno this is what he had to say about it once one of the specific concepts that made a difference to him i, I was a bit i was always a bit scattered like i, I there were two things i was good at illustration and music and he talked about everyone having a, a, a use, he calls it, and that, that continues through um, into the other side, where it's even more sort of pronounced. 
And for me, that really helped to sort of um, find that what, what made me, what didn't feel like work, what felt like um, something that I enjoy, but it was still, it was deeply satisfying, I guess. What, what was the thing to me that was deeply satisfying? It, it was hard work, but it doesn't feel like work because you enjoy the, you enjoy doing it so much. And it's, I guess it's good and it's giving to other people. And so that made me really realize that that music was a thing for me that, that ticked all those boxes. And um, it, it, it really helped me to, to uh, be brave and take that step just and just do music full time. And I still do the other illustration thing, but it made it very clear to me that music is, is the thing for me, really. Like it, it gives me the most sort of joy. So we've got our basic definition. We've got a major function of music spiritually, and we've got a first-hand account from somebody who's had music and spirituality impact them. So we got that solid foundation. Let's get to something a little weirder in our next section. So let's say that I was going to be hanging out on this show, and like we talked about last show, uh, suddenly there were to be an evil or negative spirit that came into the room with me. Like, let's say it's... um, And let's say I wanted to change this, so I played some music. That's what would happen. Uh, And to back me up on this is Swedenborg in his Spiritual Experiences 1996 through 1997. It has twice happened that I have heard in the streets music from stringed instruments, which so soothed the spirits that they scarcely knew but that they were in heaven. Uh, So this is, Swedenborg is describing him walking down a real street, or I say real physical street, like one we can all experience, and hearing physical music, and then there are spirits with him, who are hearing this through his senses, because he had this channel opened up, Um, and this is the impact of that music on them. Knew but that they were in heaven, for they were exhilarated to such a degree as to be, as it were, transported out of themselves. I perceived their delight, which was abundant, and even now, while I write, that music of strings and pulsatile chords is continued. The spirits are so changed by it that they seem scarcely the same, and they said they are in a state of mind now that they cannot think or do anything evil at all, because their gladness of mind caused by their music is penetrating their inward parts. And I love this sort of like field notes feel of that, like their spirits are now doing this. Now it's 4.35 and they're doing this. So the music had such an impact on them that it took them from being perhaps malevolent to, oh man, I'm rocking out. I don't want to do anything. Let's just relax and have fun. So that is an impact that Swedenborg saw firsthand, music having on spirits. And so let's take a look at an aspect of spiritual physics. You saw in that graphic before there was some upward motion. So if we took, uh, you know, a another spirit, a spirit again in a diagram. You see this darkness stuff here is like negativity, you know, self-centered kind of you know, stuff that is not so great. It's in the mind and it's in the heart. If you play music, a certain kind of music, it can, as we saw, lift that spirit up, right? And, and all of us have a spirit too. But as you go up you get brighter and happier, and you move upwards as well. Because if you're getting into a better state of mind spiritually, you go up. 
that this is Swedenborg said this is how distance work and orientation works in that world you go up so music can bring you into a higher state of mind which is actually a higher state of mind and this is also backed up by a modern near-death experience this one from Ibn Alexander he had a he has a very famous book out called proof of heaven and this is a little snippet from it uh, that illustrates the same kind of point then I heard a new sound a living sound like the richest most complex most beautiful piece of music you've ever heard Growing in volume as a pure white light descended, it obliterated the monotonous mechanical pounding that, seemingly for eons, had been my only company up until then. Then, at the very center of the light, something else happened. An opening. I was no longer looking at the slowly spinning light at all, but through it. The moment I understood this, I began to move up fast. So he has this, uh, you know, sort of super sound, super music come to him, and it has this impact on him. It leads to understanding, and that moves him up. So actually moves his spirit up. So the music has the ability to literally lift your spirits. So now I want to, I have this really cool thing that I came across that shows what Swedenborg calls correspondence. And that idea is that the physical world is a representation of the spiritual world, meaning there are physical processes that match up with or respond to our counterparts to spiritual processes. And the way that the spiritual world works is the same way that the physical world works in their different categories. That may sound complicated. This is going to be a very tangible example. So we're going to set it up with a quote from Heaven and Hell 573. It's a very short. It says, Hellfire means the craving to do evil. And this is why you can burn with revenge. So he Spiritual fire, in a negative sense, is this hellfire, which is a will to dominate other people, to harm them, to put yourself first and take things from them, everything that would uh, possibly cause harm to get you something. This is the burning of hellfire. So, in those little graphics we saw, and in those quotes you saw, effectively, that fire being put out, right? I mean, the music made it so that, at least for a little while, these spirits or people who are harboring this negative stuff they were chilled out. They were pieced out. So spiritually, music can put out fire. But physically, sound can't put out fire, right? Wrong. There, I don't know if you guys have seen this YouTube clip. There's two students at George Mason University, you can see it there, university, that figured out with that little can thing how to put fire out with low-frequency sound waves. So there you have a correspondence. That's a correspondence that sound can put out fire, here, just like music or the affection of music can calm the hellfire that can be in people. So I thought that was cool and I wanted to leave you guys with it. Now that we've done those things, let's break it down even farther. We move from broad definition to these sort of specific things, but now let's even break it into the elements that make up music. I'm talking about the, the tools or the machines that we use to make music itself. So the instruments, yeah, do, do different instruments matter? I mean, in the beginning, we had that montage of different kinds of songs, a lot of the different feels, some of it's tempo and notes, but the instruments make a big, uh, have a big impact on the whole thing. And Swedenborg actually got so specific as to say that certain instruments affect you spiritually in certain ways. So let's take a look. This is again from Apocalypse Explained, where he 
difference between stringed instruments and wind instruments. In general, stringed instruments signify such things as belong to the affections of truth, and wind instruments such as belong to the affections of good. Or, what is the same thing, some instruments belong to the spiritual class and some to the celestial class. And you will always find this duality, good and truth, love and wisdom, in Swedenborg. That sound corresponds to affections, has been made clear to me from much experience. Also musical sounds, that the angels are affected according to the sounds in their varieties. But to adduce all such experience would be tedious in this place. That only which has been generally observed, I desire to record. So basically, I've seen so much, it would take too much time to write. I'm just going to tell you this. Namely, that discrete sounds arouse the affection of truth, or that those who are in the affections of truth are affected by them, and that continuous sounds arouse the affection of good, or that those who are in affections of good are affected by them. So this is the old translation of it, uh, and so you can see it can be kind of wordy. That's why we're working on a new translation now. But effectively what he's saying is, Stringed instruments speak more to the mind and wind instruments to the heart. And we're going to take a look at both now and notice sort of how it feels. So first we're going to start with guitar, which has got some strings. we got a piece that's going to be played by a really great musician who was kind enough to be part of this show. So just listen and just notice the impact it has on you. So if you and if you guys are watching the show and you hear during one of our little transitions classical guitar, that's Grayson. That's the same guy who played it. Also an excellent stonemason. So I oversimplified it. I think when I said strings speak to the mind, wind speaks to the heart. The actual concept of affecting the truth in us, affecting the good in us, I don't fully understand it. So just it affects you how it affects you. But Swedenborg is saying there's a difference between the two. So let's now take a look. Um, no, no, before we do that, let's let's go to the other side. We talked about uh, the string instruments, but now let's hear the wind instruments. This comes out of the lungs and has a different sort of vibe. So again, just feel the effect. We have another musician uh, who was willing to, to just jam the flute out for us. So here you go. Thank you. 
And remember, the part of us that thinks and feels is the spirit. So if you are feeling something when you hear that music, that's the spirit. That is touching your spirit. So you had those two. They're different types of music. They affect you in a different way. And now let's read one more thing about it. Uh, that kind of ties them together. This is from Secrets of Heaven 418. The earliest people, people, moreover, assigned anything of a heavenly nature to the heart's province and anything spiritual to the lung's province. In this way, they associated spirituality with any use of the lungs, such as for vocal music and so on. As a result, they associated it with the voices or sounds of wind instruments. The reason was not only that the heart and lungs represent a kind of marriage, as love and faith do, but also that heavenly angels belong to the province of the heart and spiritual angels to that of the lungs. So that's probably all really confusing. If it's confusing, watch every episode of this show, because we touch on this stuff. Yeah, the, the shape of heaven tells you what he's talking about with the heart and lungs. Um, there's a, and there's another episode where we talk about this, the heavenly marriage, as he calls it. Like I mentioned earlier in this show, it's a duality, love and wisdom, good and truth, their faith and charity. Uh, there's all these, these two basic elements. He actually says that the substance of God is divine love and divine wisdom, and that you have sort of a representation in these two instruments, they affect these two different sides. So in God, there's a marriage of the two or a joining of the two, and our, one of our goals in life is to let those two be joined in us. So we're going to hear now the two different kinds of instruments together. And as they're together, just think about the interplay of these two. This is a representation of the interplay of these two great divine forces of love and wisdom rendered for you today in audio form. So just let it hit you and, and see how it feels. Yeah, man. All right, so thanks very much to Grayson and Nancy for that. So let's t- let's close the segment with this. This is from a. Uh, I keep wanting to say our cancellation, which is the Latin name for. You didn't need to know that. Okay. From these considerations, it is now evident why, in the Word, and chiefly in David, so he's talking about the Old Testament of the Bible, so many kinds of musical instruments are mentioned, as psalteries, harps, flutes, cymbals, timbrels, horns, organs, and others, namely, that it is on account of correspondence with the affections, and at the same time with the articulations, which are expressions that contain things and flow therefrom. So it's not just string and uh, and wind instruments, it's all kind of instruments, and that would 
extend to modern instruments. It didn't stop in Swedenborg's time. That, those are the ones he commented on because those were his modern, uh, that's the modern music at the time. But everything we're hearing, everything you hear on the radio today, everything on your iPod or wherever it is, your phone, I guess, uh, that all has some kind of correspondence. It has some kind of spiritual source. Uh, you can pick out what you think it might be is, you know, in some modern pop music or hip-hop or at least how it used to be. There would be the, There's a beat and then there's music that goes with it and sometimes you just let the beat run then you hit the music and is that like love and wisdom i don't know you you guys figure it out and then you let me know all right so we've been kind of going from broad to more and more general we got to the instruments that make music but now we're going to go even uh to the substrate below that sort of the foundation of music the mechanics of sound so let's take a look So, we're going to take a look now at the underlying mechanics of acoustics. And I'm, I'm not the guy to tell you about that. I don't know anything about it. But we found the guy to tell you about it. He's from the University of Minnesota. His name is Jeremy, Jeremy Rose, and he was kind enough to join us. And we began our conversation with him having this astute observation about the nature of Swedenborgian thought. Well, one of the uh, kind of foundations of Swedenborgian thought is the idea that we can learn about the spiritual world from the physical world. So I got interested in the physics of harmony and why harmony sounds good. Why is it that this sounds nice, but this doesn't? So remember last section, I was blubbering and trying to explain correspondence. You can learn, he said it there, you can learn about the physical world from the spiritual world. So we're going to learn, I mean... You could, but vice versa is what we're really talking about. We can learn about the physical world and from that, uh, get sort of insights about the spiritual world. So we're going to learn about some physical things right now. This is a little lesson in the physics of music. But just have in the back of your mind or, so, or in the corner or the garage or something that everything he's saying about how music works physically, there's some kind of correspondence with how emotions work with us, that which is what music is an expression of. So have that in mind. We're going to learn now a little bit about what makes a note a note and what makes it go together. So check it out. So I'm just going to play an A scale. So this note is an A, a B, C, D, E, F, G, H. No, that's not H. That's also A. This is a, is a different note than this but we use the same name for both of them. So why do we call them both A? Well, in a way they're the same and in a way they're different from each other. This note is an A, which is referred to as a 440. On a tuning instrument, it says 440 on the side, which means when I pluck this, makes the air vibrate 440 times per second. This is also an A but it's a little different. This is an octave higher, and how does that vibrate? This one's 440. This one, it turns out, vibrates at 880. So it's exactly twice. The vib are you with me still? The vibrations are exactly twice as much per second. So because of that mathematical relationship that the two have, they, they're in our minds, our spirits, put them in the same category. So we call them both the same note. All right, let's continue. So, the next thing we can say is, what else is in harmony? Well, 
those two notes are in harmony with each other. And if this is 440 and this is 880, what's the frequency of that note? And it turns out that's an E, and that resonates at 660 hertz. So it's exactly a 3 to 2 ratio for this note. So notes that are in 2 to 1 get along well. Notes that are in a 3 to 2 ratio get along well. This one also gets along well. That's what we call the third. And this one, but it's a 5 to 4 ratio that goes with this. You put them together, and that's a major third chord. So all the notes fit in very nice, neat ratios with each other. That's actually a 3 to 4 to 5 to 8 ratio, all the notes playing together. That's what we call perfect harmony. So it's math. I love the fact that it's just math. You can mathematically figure out which notes go with each other. And I like to say, if you can sing, you're much better at math than you think you are. You're much better at math than you think you are. So there's this link between music and math, and music being the language of emotion and mathematics. And do we see this in any anywhere else on a spiritual level? Swedenborg wrote this in Spiritual Experiences 5571. This is when he was in a spiritual world. Sometimes numbers appear, a paper filled with them. They also appear on the walls, which signify such things as the celestials think. So the celestials is one translation, meaning the highest angels, the most open, loving, uh, plugged-in people you could ever think of. Um, what they think about can be written as numbers. So there is something, some kind of bridge there emotionally in numbers that leads to music, that leads to emotion. You may have one or the other music or numbers that you think, oh, I can't touch anything of that. But as you can see here, there are bridges between them. And uh, this is how you might be better at math than you think. And if you were to hit a note, la, and somebody were to sing a note, if you say, what's a note that would go along with that? A good singer could find a note that would go along well with that. And if I, <laughs> and they're doing this instinctively and physically. And if I were to say, can you calculate a five to four ratio of a note that resonates at 1748 vibrations per second, they go, I can't do that kind of math. And I go, actually, yes, you can. You just did. That's, and that's so fascinating to me that if you are a person who can sing harmonies, your, do, your body, your spirit, whatever it is, is doing that calculation, that five to four ratio calculation, and then you, you jump in there. So that's pretty cool. If I were trying to sing a harmony on a note, you would get something we call discord, because I don't know how to do harmonies. And Swedenborg had this to say about discord in Secrets of Heaven 5182. There are spiralings into which spirits who are recent arrivals in the next life have to be introduced. For the purpose of enabling them to live in the company of other spirits and of enabling them both to speak and think in unison with these. It is absolutely essential that the thought and speech of each member in a community should accord with the rest. Otherwise, discord is detected, which sounds in the minds of others like a harsh grating noise. Furthermore, everything discordant is destructive of unity, and that heaven is this harmonious, harmonious, 
unity. Not that everything, everyone has to think alike or think the same, but you are in harmony. There's all these notes that can go well together, but there are certain ones that clash. And remember, we're, so we're seeing on this emotional, spiritual level, talking about the thoughts and feelings of conscious beings, what you see in notes on the physical level. So let's talk a little bit about the physical level of discord. And then we get notes that are a little more extreme, like this ratio. People found that one so disturbing, they call that one the devil's tritone. And partly, why does that sound so weird and maybe disturbing? And even some composers have called that satanic or devilish. Because the ratio between those two notes is very high numbers. It's like 38 to 35, something like that. So, do you guys know what harmonics are? Have you ever played the guitar? If you're playing the guitar, you can kind of bing, 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 like get these vibrational somethings. That These are called harmonics, all right? So, Jeremy was explaining what harmonics are and the notes kind of contained within them. And that, so, that moves us to our next section of this conversation. So, what that says is when you pluck the string, it's producing 440 hertz. We said this already. This is an A string, but it's also producing that note and that note and that note and that note at the same time. So, one, one string is producing all these layers and layers of frequency. So, as soon as I heard that, the idea that there's layers within layers there. It made me think of this in True Christianity 280. I didn't know where it was, but I knew Swedenborg talked about this, so I searched it out and found it. One earthly idea contains many spiritual ideas, and one spiritual idea contains many heavenly ideas. So he says there's a within, and he talks about it more at length, that within our thoughts there are all these spiritual and celestial things that we don't even realize, these elements that kind of make them up. And to me, that sounds like... Jeremy's talking about, here's a note, boom, there's A on your guitar, but there's all these other notes that go up and up that we don't even know, and some of them are so high that you can't hear them. So I felt like that was a really cool plug-in. All right, I'm going to let him continue talking. And this gives us a hint as to why strings that are in a low number ratio to each other sound good and high numbers don't. Okay, so these two notes go together well. Why do they go together well? Well, let's take these two. One of the interesting things is if this string produces this and this and that, all those frequencies are in there, and then this string produces that and this and this and this, I can make the same note here and here. I've put my finger down in different places on different strings, but they both made the same harmonic. So what does that tell us? That tells us they have a shared frequency. There's something in common. Both these two different notes are both producing a higher tone. And the more perfect the harmony, the lower down that tone is. And if I play really weird chords like this, there are shared frequencies, but they're way, way high up there. The, note, the ratio that would produce both those notes is really, really high up there. So for me, that's just like bursting with spiritual application, but I'm gonna let uh, Jeremy say it himself rather than, than hogging the spotlight here. So what's the spiritual lesson of all this? 
one lesson that I draw from this when it comes to people and people getting along with each other is the idea of finding the high harmonics. If I'm singing this note in my life and I talk to you and you're a very different person with different kind of experiences and you tell me about something about your life and I go, we click together. There's something about that that clicks. We form some kind of connection. Another way of saying that is we have a shared high harmonic. The note that I'm singing shares something up there in the frequency range with the note that you're singing. Even if you're a very, very different kind of person than I am, and you've lived a very different kind of life, there's something we share in common. And people we don't get along with, maybe the lesson is the shared note is so high that it's out of the range of human hearing, if you will. So it takes so much work to try to figure out what we share in common that it's beyond both of our grasps. So that's a weird way of looking at it in life, but it tells me the way we connect with each other is to find the high harmonics, to look higher and higher and higher until you get something that you share in common with somebody else. So physically, music is telling us there is something shared, you just gotta look up and up. And if this is an analogy or this is a representation of something spiritual, it must mean that all of us, the, the notes, the emotions we have in our lives, discordant as they may seem, up at the top, they share something. And Swedenborg in Heaven and Hell 297 flows into each one of us according to Heaven's design into our inmost nature. So everybody, even people who are the most negative or we you know evil or whatever he would you would call it, um, there's you know God is pouring love into this deepest part of them. Even if it, if they don't realize it, if it's shut off, it's always there. And so I sort of think of that as this this high harmonic that everybody, every person has something. In common with you, and this can be yet another reason to have compassion and empathy. And I also think about um, a couple episodes ago, we did an episode called The Spiritual History of the Human Race, and Swedenborg described this ancient church where there was different doctrines, but everybody knew love was what was important, so that held them all together, and that's kind of like a higher frequency, a high harmony you know, that's up there and pulls them together, high harmonic. So, that's cool, and we had one more spiritual lesson that, that Jeremy pulled out of music. So, here it is. Okay, so I've changed guitars, and now I'm playing a 12-string guitar. And why are there 12 strings on it? And here's how they sound individually. So, those are basically a six-string guitar doubled. There's two E strings and two B strings. And when you play a nice chord, it sounds great. Why does it sound better on a 12 string than it does on a plain old six string guitar? What is it about having twice as many strings? Partly it's the fact that these two strings are pretty much the same frequency, but not exactly the same frequency. No matter how carefully I tune them, they're always going to be a little bit different from each other. So that when I play two strings that are on the same note and they're a little bit different, it makes it thicker, it makes it fatter, it makes it sound nice and rich. This is the same reason that the Mormon Tabernacle Choir sounds nice. Mormon Tabernacle Choir is 360 people. There's 90 people playing each part. Why is it better to have 90 people singing one note 
than just one person singing one note. Why do we go, that sounds really nice and rich? It's because they're all a little bit off from each other. One person might be singing a note that resonates at 3,480 hertz, and another person singing at 3,484 hertz, and another person 3,472. They're all a little bit off from each other, and that makes life nice. That makes life fun. So this, the lesson from this is life gets richer due to differences and slight variations. So it's not pure math anymore, it's fuzzy math, but fuzzy math is nicer than pure math. And so Swedenborg's saying that heaven or the, the grand idea of human community is made up of people who are different but working together. He, he says that everywhere, and actually, we did an episode about it. It's called How Different Religions Coexist in Heaven, and I'm plugging a lot of our episodes this time. But you start to see, can you see now how everything in Swedenborg ties into everything else? So the more you learn, the more everything else makes sense. All right, so we've been learning about the, the roots of music and how it affects us and what it's kind of made of but let's just get down to do they jam out in heaven what is the music like on the other side all right so uh let's just this is just going to be straight up Swedenborg's experiences and one from a surprise special guest uh, who he's just describing the music that he encountered in his out-of-body experiences where he said he was in the spiritual world or the life after death that we'll come into. So here's what the music was like in 1750 or 60, whatever, when he was having these experiences. First of all, he describes sort of a concert. This is in a city where he was. There are festival days here. On festival days, there is music and singing in the streets, and there are sporting events and shows outside the city. In the public squares, stages are set up, framed by screens of latticework that have grapevines interwoven in them and bunches of grapes hanging down. Between these, the musicians sit on three tiers. And he doesn't mention that, but I bet that that's symbolic of something. They have all kinds of stringed instruments and wind instruments that cover the spectrum from treble to bass, with timbers ranging from soft to sharp. On either side of the musicians, there are male and female vocalists who entertain the audience with excellent songs and praises, in solos and as a choir. Now and then during the performance, they will shift to a different type of music. So, that's, uh, hey man, we're going to go to the concert in heaven. That was, so that's one. That's what it was like. Let's move on. Secrets of Heaven 8261. He, oh, this is getting into specifically choirs or people, you know, you just think of choir as like can only happen in church, but it's people singing, a large number of people singing together in harmony. There is a glorification of the Lord in the heavens by means of choirs, and thus by the harmonious music of many. From this also angelic speech is harmonious, falling into rhythmic measures. So again, this connection between angelic things and music, that actually the speech of angels is influenced by what you would call sort of the laws of music, and that this choir thing, people working together, that matters. So here we have our special guest uh, musical, I mean spiritual musical experience, is Eben Alexander again from his book Proof of Heaven, where he talks about this same sort of phenomenon. A sound, huge and booming like a glorious chant, came down from above, and I wondered if the higher beings I saw above me were producing it. 
It occurred to me that the joy of these creatures as they soared along was such that they had to make this noise, that if the joy didn't come out of them this way, then they would simply not otherwise be able to contain it. The sound was palpable and almost material, like a rain you can feel on your skin but that doesn't get you wet. Seeing and hearing were not separate in this place where I now was. I could hear the visual beauty of the silvery bodies and of the scintillating beings above, and I could see the surging, joyful perfection of what they sang. It seemed that you would, could not look at or listen to anything in this world without becoming a part of it, without joining with it in some mysterious way. And focusing on that, not being able to experience something without joining in it, this is Swedenborg again, and he's describing uh, some a little from the artist's perspective, from people who were singing in heaven. Uh, every morning from the houses around the public squares, this is in another city, maybe the same one, I don't remember, you hear girls and young women singing songs of great sweetness. The sound fills the entire city. Each morning the song embodies one particular feeling related to spiritual love. That is, the way the voices sound and the mode the song is in convey a giving, given feeling so well that we experience the song as that feeling itself. The song flows into our souls as we listen and stirs in us the feeling it corresponds to. This is the nature of the songs in heaven. And here's about the performers. The singers tell us that those listening, as those listening become more receptive, the sound of the song becomes more inspired, inwardly alive, and beautiful. So it's kind of, if you're a band on stage and the crowd's really uh, responding, it hypes you up and you play better. And he's saying that this happens even more deeply in the spiritual world. And we have our final, last factoid about the music in heaven, and it's from Swedenborg's book, Married Love, number 55. The spirits continu- the singing continued, and as soon as spirits knew the subject of the affection it expressed, they began to hear it in many different ways, in each case depending on the state of their own love. So it was the same piece of music and was affecting all these spirits differently based on what they loved. And we certainly get that uh, if you've ever had a road trip with someone who likes the kind of music that you really don't like, uh, music affects us in different ways depending on who we are. And this, like it seems like everything, amplifies in the spiritual world. So there's a lot of good jams to look forward to there. Nice to know this experience of music will continue with us as we move forward. So hopefully that was some interesting stuff about the nature of music and how it ties in with spirituality. And I just love to go through all these different facets of life, how do they tie in to the spiritual things, and, and what's the future in them? So, I want to hear what you guys thought. Did anything resonate with you, uh, to use a musical term? Get your questions and comments in. We're going to have our discussion on the other side of this quick break. It's that time again. Showtime. This is when the real show begins, when we get to hear from you guys and, and, and what you've been thinking about the whole thing. So let's take a look now at our questions. This first one is from the mighty YouTube. It's Blender. What do you think it says about people who don't like music? I think that that's okay. You don't have to like music. I Well, I, I look at that tie-in that we experienced that is saying that mathematics... Uh, and music actually have this harmony when you get up. And I would imagine that, you know, initially you might think, oh, doing math and playing music, they're opposites. They have nothing to do with each other. But as we've been seeing, they actually do converge when you start to understand them both better. I would imagine it's like that with everything. 
you know, that, that all kinds of other disciplines, when everything starts to approach closer to its source, they really are each other in a way, you know. So I would imagine, it's, as, we, as we said in this episode and in others, heaven takes all kinds. So there may, there's probably going to be some people who don't like music, and I, I don't know, would they not like any music? Who knows? Could be, doesn't mean there isn't a place for them. It doesn't mean that they can't experience life and find that same meaning and that same joy in other things. That's what I would say. Um, that's just that's just me pulling that off the top of my head, though. I could be right. I could be wrong about it. That's what's fun about the question segment. I just get to say things like I know. So thanks for that question. Let's take a look at our next one. This is from Dean on YouTube. Is there music that is not spiritual, like heavy metal screamo? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if heavy metal screamo is spiritual or not spiritual. Um, it could be that it touches certain people. It, it, as as Swedenborg was describing in these uh, in these um, experiences, that there was people affected differently by the same piece of music. So it could be that the, you know, there's a quote from Swedenborg that I'm going to paraphrase it. God speaks to every one of us, but he speaks very differently from one person to another. So it could be that people are being spoken to through that. That's not to say that all music is good. Music can be certainly have a negative influence. The messages in music through lyrics, uh, I think there's a, I, just listening to the radio, I, I'm often like, this is, I don't like the worldview. I don't like the idea this music is putting out, even if you like the beat. And I sort of think that that's an analogy. That's a correspondence that if music is like feeling, the ideas in there can be bad, but you sort of, oh, this that's fine because I like the music. Isn't that just like something that hurts somebody? Uh, but if I like it, it's funny, it feels good, so I'm going to do it, right? Isn't that sort of like the music that pulls you toward, those feelings are the music that pours, pulls you towards something bad. And I, I and there's probably some music that stresses people out. Uh, isn't that healthy? Everything in, in doses. But I would say that it's not like, oh, all music is great. I, just like not all emotions are great. There are some that cause a lot of harm. So that's what I would say about that. All right, two for two. (laughs) Let's take a look at the next one. This is from Barb on YouTube. Do you think those special songs, we all know a few, are inspired or come to the writers from angels and spirits? Uh, I, man, I think so. Um, We we heard Bruno in the beginning of the show saying that it feels like something's moving through him. You know, um, I, I certainly, and you, you will hear, hear artists that some of their best songs just came to them. And, and, and I've, I've written some songs myself. Uh, the process is really like a package gets delivered. There's sometimes when it's you're sort of assembling pieces, but a line or a chorus will just come to you. Um, and I, I, so I, I think, yeah, that Swedenborg says everything's coming in from the spiritual world, that we're just one step on this giant, wonderful ladder that's, that's you know, where, where goods are moved from God down, 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 all the way into the ultimate here. So I would think that, yeah, and as per, maybe the ones that we're thinking of, it does seem like certain songs just have this really powerful, like, where did that come from? And even sometimes people who write them, well, where did that, you know, I, I don't know where this came from. I, I wouldn't have thought of it. So, you know, maybe some are coming from even a higher sort. You know, it's all, it's all the way Swedenborg would describe it. It's all from the divine, but maybe some don't lose as much in translation and we get these really powerful messages. So, so I would think so. All right, let's take a look at another one. This is from Fuzzman on YouTube. What about the correspondence of percussion instruments? And it's a great question. And I think that that, we talked a little about timbrels in in there, which I think are like an, is an old school 
word for a certain kind of percussion, but if you think about what it does, you know, it sort of seems like it's more on the truth side. Well, when I think about, uh, he said, interrupted sounds are sort of the, the truth, uh, you know, the intellectual side. You think about the guitar being plucked. However, if you think about a beat like as a thing that's moving forward, it uh, seems to be more maybe on the love side. So in conclusion, I'm, I'm going to say I don't know, and, and I think it's probably complicated, that it's not just all... Like, think about the different feelings, that all the different feelings are a different correspondence. Think about a snare drum versus like a hand drum, you know, and a triangle versus like an electronic drum kit. You know, there's a lot of variation in there. I would imagine it crosses over, that there's probably all these nuances to it that, that we don't know. So that's a good question, and a and an okay answer. So let's take a look at our next one. Uh, this is from Mark on YouTube. Is there a spiritual cause for a tune to repeat over and over in your mind? Wow, okay. Uh, that's a great question because I have, why does that happen? Why does that happen? Uh, I've, I don't know, I don't know spiritual things other than from what I can sort of read from people who say they've experienced it and what I can kind of then pick out in patterns of life. So I'm not an expert on it. I will say this. Swedenborg does describe the operation of evil spirits, as we covered last week, on people in in detail. And he does say that one thing evil spirits will do is try to focus someone's mind on one thought with no let up. And you see there's people getting consumed by worry about one issue. One thing looms large in their mind, takes away the joy from their life and their their ability to to function and and do well. So I wonder if that's some kind of cousin of that. Because, I mean, sometimes it's okay, but a lot of times it's kind of uh, antagonistic to have this song that you don't really want there in your head. So is this, so, I mean, Swedenborg would say there's a spiritual cause. Everything has a spiritual cause. Uh, whether it's a spirit, like some kind of, like a spirit is interacting and trying to mess with you, I don't know exactly, but he does say that interesting thing about evil spirits. So that's, that's a great, I'm, I'm wondering that too. If you all find the answer out to that, let me know, okay? All right, let's take a look at the next one. This is from Lisa or Liza on YouTube. I was kind of hoping we could all sing in the afterlife. If I can't sing now, will I be able to in the spiritual world? Please say yes. Yes. And I'm going to say that with some confidence for a couple reasons. One is I have a hazy feeling that Swedenborg says it, but actually, but that's not enough to go on. However, Swedenborg does talk about people being able to speak well automatically in the other life. You know, you have, I read this thing once that People's number one fear is public speaking, and their number two fear is death, or something like that. That not as comfortable articulating ideas, uh, and especially to a group. Or so, so speech doesn't come that naturally to all of us. But Swedenborg does say he says as many places that when you get into the next life, people can artic- all people can articulate ideas, speak more eloquently than they ever could before. So it would just seem to follow in lockstep with that, that you can sing. Yeah, it does seem weird that some people get to participate in this music thing, and some get to be fans, but fans only. You know, I would... I would think that, yeah, because everyone can speak, everyone can sing, you know, and, and why not? And if it's an expression of it, we all have emotions, so it's just the translator, right? It's not like the people who can't sing can't feel, you know, uh, so it's got to be that it's just some mechanism that should be, you know, repaired in the spiritual world. And I think about the process of singing is so unconscious, you know, if you if I want to sing a note, it's, it's not like I understand the mechanics of how it works, so it's being done for me really, when, when I can sing, so why wouldn't it be done for everyone there? So that's my thought on that. Let's take a look at another. These are great questions. Uh, ben, ben Gabby on YouTube. 
Throughout the evolution of music, people's tolerance for dissonance has increased, allowing for music that some people interpret as discordant and others enjoyable. What are your thoughts? It's a great question. Um, yeah, I do think, I, I sort of think about, you know, some, like, in Swedenborg's day and, like, a classical music concert or something and people being a little more, like, uh, prim and proper about it. But now, yeah, we have all this, like, as we were mentioning, this metal and all these different kinds of music that, that things that maybe wouldn't be considered music in that era now are. I mean, I think it's got to be something good. I, I feel like people who are like, oh, the, the devil's music is here. To, they're often, they don't seem... Like, there's a lot of wisdom behind that. Uh, Message-wise, yes, there can be harmful things, but as far as different kinds of tones, I would think it's an expanding to uh, accept more kinds of people. I mean, isn't that... They find the beauty in a wider range, unlike the things that are just obvious. I mean, certain kinds of music are obviously beautiful. You know, major kind of chords or, or things that are very musical, that's obviously beautiful. But is this is it a symbol of being able to look more deeply and see beauty where you might not see it or see past some rough edges into a deeper sort of beauty? So I would... It seems to me like a positive thing. So, uh, you know... Love to see what you guys think of it. Feel free to leave some comments about that. All right, we're going to keep going for a few more here, but we'll get you guys home soon. Our scene on YouTube, what is your favorite music or artist? Um, yeah, you mean me, like Curtis? Oh, man, I don't know. I, I've gone through some significant evolutions. Um, I, at one point when I was young, you know, I would I was growing up in the 90s, so uh, let's see, I would like, like Rage Against the Machine or... Uh, Sublime. This is such a waste of time for me to tell you guys my personal bands, but I'm gonna do it since we since that question made it through. Um, uh, th- those kind of bands were like cool to me, but it's so funny. Things I'll look back on now that I'm like, oh man, I don't really know if I like that or the music is good, but I really don't like the lyrics to that song. Now I've got, you know I'm like a little blander in my taste now. I like a lot of times I just want instrumental music because I don't want somebody else's worldview projected on me. I've been listening to a guy whose name is Bonnie Vare. Um, I just like his vibe. He's really laid back. Anyway, this is, this is that's all you're going to get about what music I like. But thanks for the question. What, what music I like doesn't matter. It's not like I have better, smarter taste than anyone else. Uh, okay, so, but I do appreciate the question. It is something you do want to know. Let's take a look at the next one. This is from Blender again on YouTube. Does it make a difference to the listener if the creator of the music is self-centered? Oh, yeah, good question, man. I feel like maybe not, and this is why I'm going to say it, because Swedenborg writes that God can accomplish good things through bad or self-centered people, and sometimes just as effectively or more effectively than through uh, humble sort of good people because people's self-centeredness like you think about some musician who's really self-centered and thinking about their career and wanting to be really prestigious and perceived well that that can actually drive them to, to practice and hone their craft and try to write better and you can actually get good songs out of that doesn't mean the process is good for them but god can still bring good things through so i would think you know you hear all about musicians or scientists or all these kind of people that are were in life were really not very nice people at all but they've made beautiful things and i think that's showing that this is god coming through even through uh, you know people who maybe had the wrong priorities good things can be brought to everyone so that would be my thought sometimes you can hear something about an artist that just makes you say there's no way i'm not doing this I- i'm not listening to this it changes how you hear it but i think in general the art can can be its own thing so 
two more we're going to get to. And this is, the next one is from Fuzzman on YouTube. I wonder if the birds singing are show, are, are them showing their affection around their environment. It could be, man. I mean, if, if songs in human beings are expressions of that, wouldn't animal noises be even more directly because they don't kind of have the self-consciousness or the filter? And certainly bird music can evoke a, a response. So that's cool to think about a little bird singing its heart out, you know? Okay, so one more, and then we're going to go. This is from Blender on YouTube. Do those rules, the correspondences of instruments and their effect, apply to the digital versions of those instruments? <laughs> yeah, man, that's a great question. I would think so. Especially, I mean, some digital instruments you can no longer tell the difference. I mean, digital instruments through a really good speaker system, you're going to get the same sound waves. So I would imagine, unless there's some kind of intrinsic thing that's wrong, you, you know, it's going to hit your ear in the same way. It's Your physical body is not gonna, really going to know the difference. And so perhaps the spirit can get the same thing out of it. Yeah, I, I wonder, you know, if, if they could ever develop a spiritual tester machine, sit somebody in a room with a real thing. Can you, can you feel the difference? If you can feel the difference, there's a difference. But I would imagine that, you know, recordings or digital things, it's the same sort of stuff. But then again, that phrase is key. I would imagine, because that's all this answering the questions is, me imagining things. Thank you guys. That was a lot of fun. I'm glad that we got to do this music topic one. I think that's cool to, to bring it in. Uh, if you guys are enjoying the show, please consider making a donation. We've gotten really, it's really been great getting support from all of you. Uh, realize that the... Uh, the um you know the show it all runs on donations we're not obviously not charging for anything um we're trying to give everything away as much as we can so that when people get into a state of mind where oh i want to support this help it reach new people they can but when they don't they don't have to so that's what we're trying to do it's tax deductible there's a link in the description all right now the next episode we're going to take a look and we're going to swing around a little bit to look at sort of the beginning of all of our spiritual lives. And we're going to do that through the medium of one of the more controversial controversial and famous uh, religious texts. We're going to take a look at what the seven days of creation mean.